0: My subject this morning is the New Covenant Church. Grace Bible Fellowship is a New Covenant Church. And there is only one message that we need to share with others, and that is the awesomeness the, of the amazing grace that God has given to us. Just how much he loves us is Unbelievable. But, but most, most of us never hear about just how much he loves us. So we're going to start in the book of Hebrews this morning, and we're going to go to Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. And here it says in verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the, in the, excuse me, in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. In these last days, in these last days, which we are living in, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. And then in verse three, and he is the radiance, Jesus Christ is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of God's nature, of his nature, it says and upholds all things by the word of his power when he had made purification of sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high the new covenant encompasses all that jesus christ has done and accomplished for us everything it unlocks the reality of god's grace It's hard to believe, but there's much confusion today about God's grace. Um, And Hebrews, the book of Hebrews unlocks it all. It tells us exactly what we need to hear about God's grace. So the question that Christians ought to ask themselves today, am I living in the new covenant or am I still in the old? Or have I mixed the new and the old? And that really brings confusion. In Hebrews 8, 9, the Bible says this. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And I did not care for them, says the Lord. Now, the Jews always had a problem from day one. They were first to say, Lord, you just tell us what, we're, what to do, and we'll do it. Just, just tell us. And when God told them what to do, it didn't take them but a short time, and they fell into unbelief again. So they were in belief, then unbelief, in belief, unbelief, all through their history. And that was the problem that the Jewish people had. That's one of our problems today also. We say we believe it, but do we really believe it? So we have sort of the same problems that the Jews had. This new covenant is not like a covenant that God made before with Israel. So this new covenant, why does it need to be so different then? Well, Under the old covenant, the people of Israel, they did not continue. In other words, they just couldn't do it. And it took them a long time, and it's still taking them a long time, to realize that they just can't do it. And so the Bible says that because of their their unbelief and belief, unbelief and belief, The Bible says that God came to the place where he did not care for them. Now, the new covenant is different. It's not up to us. The new covenant has a solution. It maintains our salvation. Once we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior, we are saved forever. Forever. We don't lose it. We have been guaranteed that we would have it forever. And the Bible says he always cares for us. In the old covenant, it says that he did not care for them because they couldn't do it. They promised to do it, but they couldn't do it. In the Old Testament, Gentiles, which is every one of us here, Gentiles had no covenant they had no promise, they had no hope, and really they had no God. In fact, in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 11 and 12, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, the Gentiles, by, this, by the so-called circumcisions, by the Jews, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember That you were at that time separated, separate from Christ, included from the Commonwealth, excluded from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's why we are a new covenant church. That's why we celebrate the new covenant. Because God desires that none, Jew or Gentile, should perish. In 2 Peter 3.9, the Bible says this. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. In 1 Timothy 2.4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now you think you would think that these two scriptures would forever settle the dispute on predestination. God's desire is that all would be saved. Everyone. But is everyone going to be saved? No. But the reason that we celebrate the new covenant is because without us, we Gentiles, would have no hope. The old covenant was weak. It didn't answer the questions that we had. And it made no one perfect. It was at Christ's death that the new covenant was ushered in. And it is for both Jew and Gentile. The new covenant means that as believers, we have a better covenant. Built and based on better promises. And it was because of the cross. Because of the resurrection. It was because of those things that the Old Testament believers, the Jewish people, could only dream of. In the Old Testament, they continually offered sacrifices. But notice what Hebrews 10.20 says by the new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. Now, the Old Testament is full of a sacrificial offering. You can read in the Old Testament, every year there was a day of atonement when all of their sins were forgiven. And for 24 hours, they didn't have to worry about it. All the sin was, con- was forgiven. That day of atonement is different than what we see in the book of Hebrews. For the book of Hebrews calls for a once-for-all forgiveness. Now, I don't know why, but we seem to have so much struggle with this. There's so much controversy over this. Anytime somebody mentions that we are totally forgiven, there's all these questions about it. In in Hebrews 7, 27, it says, who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for their own sins and then for the sins of the people because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Once for all, the Bible says. So we enjoy, as New Covenant believers, a lifelong forgiveness of sin. And it's because of one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the sacrifices that the priest offered only covered sin. In the New, Jesus Christ takes away the sins of the world. He takes them away. So now we find out that there is Something to what God said, what Jesus Christ said when he was on the cross, when he cried out, that it is finished. It is finished. The sacrificial system is done away with. No longer do we have it. The Bible says that when Christ was crucified, the veil in the temple was split in two, telling us that that sacrificial system is over. But it was really telling us that the sin issue is over. No one, the Bible says, no one will be lost because of sin. The Bible says that the only way that you can be lost is through unbelief. Now, in Hebrews 10, 17 and 18, this is what the Bible says about sin. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Now, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it was God's economy. There is only one thing that brings forgiveness. It's not an apology. It's not a confession. It's only blood. Where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. And the Bible says here, and according to the law, one may almost say, all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, you've heard it many times. I've said it many times as an evangelist. You call people forward to let them accept Christ as their personal Savior. And the first thing you tell them That if you're a born-again believer in Christ, all of your past sins have been forgiven. But we leave them with the idea that from now on, they have to keep up with their sins. And that is not true. Christ settled that forever. Your sins are forgiven forever, the Bible says. So we enjoy a lifetime of, of, of forgiveness. Jesus' sacrifice dealt with this whole issue of sin, going back to Edom, Adam, excuse me, and all the way into eternity. So the Bible tells us that, <clears throat> that Jesus shed his blood only once. If we feel that we have to confess our sins, and if blood is the only way to bring forgiveness, Christ would have to die again. But we know that he'll never shed his blood again. Therefore, we were forgiven once for all our sins. Under the new covenant, a perfect sacrifice was made once. Therefore, we're not forgiven day by day, sin by sin. God forgave us for all of our sins once. In the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats did not take away sins. It only covered sin. Those sacrifices were only a shadow of Christ's sacrifice to come. And in a way, they served us as an annual reminder of sin. When you are born again, something has happened to you. The Bible says that you died to sin. But you received a new heart. You received a new human spirit. Then God filled you with the Holy Spirit. You are complete at your deepest core. You are everything that God says you are. And God is the one that says that you are complete. God is the one who says that you are perfect forever. Forever. Now, do you act perfect? No, there are times you don't. Are you perfect? Yes. You're perfect because of what Christ did for you at the cross. What Jesus did on the cross had never been done before. He came to take away the sins of the world. And he took them away. What he did worked. When he went to the cross and died for the sins of the world, it worked. When he was resurrected into newness of life for you and I, it worked. Everything worked. What Jesus did was to give us new freedom. He gave us a new life. I hope that you believe that you're a forgiven person. The reason I hope so is because you are. You are a forgiven person. The divine debt for our sin is paid for. The Bible says that it is finished. So how does faith, what does faith say to this fact? We find so many Christians that are begging and pleading God for forgiveness. God has already forgiven them. So what do we say? Do we beg and plead or do we say, Lord, thank you that I am forever forgiven. I praise you and I thank you. In 1 Peter 3.18, the Bible says this. For Christ also died for sins once for all. The just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Now I know the arguments. I've heard them through the years. It's always, but what if. Because of this covenant we have a better relationship with God because of the promise that he made to us. And we're gonna get into that promise. One of the greatest promises that you'll ever find in the Bible is found in Hebrews. But the argument that, well, if I'm forgiven for today's sin, tomorrow's sin, and then I'm forgiving for next year's sin or 10 years from now, I'm forgiven for all those sins. Well, wouldn't it cause me to sin more? You know, it's sort of like when people go on a diet. And when they blow it, they say, well, I just blew it. I might just well do it more. I might just well finish this ice cream. I might just might well, finish this. And that's the way people think that when you embrace total forgiveness, they think, well, wouldn't you just want to sin more? Now, if you were not born again, that would be true, if you were not born again. But remember what happened to you when you were born again. You received a new heart. That heart of stone was taken out. You received a new heart. You received a new human spirit. Your human spirit was in Adam before. Now it's in Christ. So you received a new human spirit, and then God filled that new human spirit with the Holy Spirit. So your desires at your deepest core is you really don't want to sin. You still sin, but you don't want to. At your deepest core. Because we listen to what's always going on up here all these thoughts. We feel there's something wrong with us because look at all these thoughts that I'm thinking. And the Bible is going to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you at all. Because of this new relationship that we have in Christ, we have even a new relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, in the old testament the spirit of god would rest on someone temporarily but just for a divine act of service but his presence was never permanent and even david a man after god's own heart notice what he says in psalms 51:11 do not cast me away from your presence And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Today we are blessed with a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Christ lives in us. And the Bible says that it's permanent. God made an oath. We're going to look at that oath in just a few minutes. But God made an oath to you. He said in that oath, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.5, he says that I will never desert you and I will never forsake you. And then in, in Romans 8.39, the Bible says this, nor height, nor depth, depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says that nothing can separate you from from God. Once you are born again, it's impossible for you to get unreborn. It can't happen. It cannot happen. When you are born again, it is forever. It is forever. And God made sure of that. The Bible says that we have a covenant today that is more excellent It's better, it's founded on better promises. Now, here it is in Hebrews 8 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he also is mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. The ministry that Jesus received is superior to the Old Testament priest, it is superior. And he is the mediator of it. So the message of the new covenant from God to the Jews, it was, stop this brutal attempt to obey the laws of God. The Jews had 613 laws. And the Ten Commandments were included. I don't know why it is today that we have such a resistance when the Bible says that we are we are dead to the law. The Bible says that Jesus fulfilled the law. But when it comes to morality, everybody feels that the 10 Commandments are still good. They're still there. All these 603 Commandments are gone, but then they have a difficult time with that. If they say that, yes, don't, the 10 Commandments, they're my moral compass, no, Christ living in you is your moral compass. The law has been done away with. The law is holy, just, and good, the Bible says. And Paul says it's, that it's good because it's the law that leads you to Christ. But once you have Christ, there's no need of the law. You have Christ living in you. The power of the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide and counsel and lead you into the path of righteousness. But there seems to be that great resistance. When you look at the Ten Commandments, you can't help but think of, well, yes, I need the Ten Commandments to tell me I shouldn't steal. I shouldn't kill anybody. I shouldn't commit adultery. But remember the Ten Commandments also says that, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Oh, oh, that one. Well, we we want the other nine. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work the way with the laws with God. You either take them all or none. And when you have Christ as your personal Savior, you have the law written in your heart. What is that law that's written in your heart? To love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and to love your neighbor that's the law that's written in the heart, because those are Jesus' laws. Under the new covenant, God solves a big, big problem. The Bible says here in Hebrews 8:10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. He fills that new heart with the Holy Spirit, and that's your guideline. The Bible says here, in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Now, Here is where God has taken out the equation in the New Covenant. The Old Covenant was made between God and Israel. The New Testament, the New Covenant, is made between God and God. And you are out of the equation. And I'll show you how that works. God made a promise. It is found in Hebrews 6, 16 through 19. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation in an end of every dispute. And that is true from the president on down when they make an oath, so help me God. A higher power. Now, I have made that when I joined the Marine Corps. I promised that I would do I would be faithful in protecting this country. When I was ordained a minister, I took another oath that I would preach the gospel. Now, we all have taken oaths. But here we're going to find out that God took one. So, The Bible says here in verse 17, in the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, that's you and I, the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath. So here we find that God is going to give an oath. And it's recorded here, in verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things, there's only two unchangeable things, and that is God and God. Two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. So here, The Bible is telling us that God gave an oath. Why would God give an oath? Why would he do that? Well, it's not that he needed it. It's that we needed it. We needed a promise. We needed an oath. And God made that oath, that promise, to himself. I will be their people. I will forgive all of their sins. God made an oath that I would never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you all the way to the end. God made an oath and he said, I started a good work in you and I will finish it. God made a promise. This is exactly what he would do. Listen. Listen. Christ knocked on the heart of your not on the door of your heart I should say and you opened that door and you accepted him you asked him to be lord and savior of your life and then he made an oath to you he made a promise to you that i will be with you all the way to the end i will never forsake you never I started a good work in you. I'm going to finish it. Trust me. That is your anchor. And the Bible says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. And one which enters within the veil. Yes, we have an anchor. And that anchor is the new covenant that God made with us. Yes, I'm proud to say we are a new covenant church. We believe what God says is true. We believe that what he said, he meant. Lo, I am with you always. Keep in mind that faithfulness to God has has been and was the old covenant problem and it's now solved in the new covenant God makes it all about him he remains faithful when you may be faithless the promise that God made to himself is all about him it's not about you It's not about you at all. You simply participate in the promise that he gave to you. But it doesn't depend on you keeping your end of the bargain. He made a promise that he would keep his end of the bargain. Satan makes sure that it's all about you. You know, when it comes to this total forgiveness... When it comes to salvation, as we know, there's a large portion of Christianity that believe you can lose it. Others believe that you can't lose it, that it's there, it's solid, it's forever. But there are a great deal of beautiful and wonderful Christians who believe that you can lose it. And the reason they believe that they can lose it because it depends upon them. And through the years, I have heard almost, Everything I think about losing their salvation. What if I, now notice it's the I, what what if I don't believe anymore? What if I continue in my sin? What if I don't forgive? It's all about what I. And Jesus Christ took that away. It's not about you. It's about him. He has promised you. He's given you an oath. That he would never leave you. Never forsake you. That your sins are forgiven forever. Forever. What an awesome God we serve. I mean, it is unbelievable. Jesus did the unthinkable. He took us out of the equation. And now it's all about his promise to himself. Now, next week, we'll participate on the first, first Sunday of the month. We participate in the Lord's Supper. And every, every time that we participate that, I'm reminded of the new covenant. That we are a new covenant church. That we are new covenant believers. Notice what he says in Luke. Luke 22.20. This was at the Lord's Supper. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant In my blood. Every time we participate in the Lord's Supper, we are saying, Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the new covenant. Thank you for the oath that you made to us. Thank you for the promise that is sure, it's solid, and we have it all of our lives. Now, the new covenant is not a covenant between God and us. It isn't. It's a covenant made with himself. And under the new covenant, our salvation is secure. It's rock solid. We are secure in Christ. We are the beneficiaries of a covenant that we did not start and that we do not maintain. He does it all. He does it all. In Hebrews seven twenty-two. The Bible says this. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Jesus Christ guarantees us that the new covenant is built on what he has done. Not on what we can do. We are the new covenant believers. This is the gospel This is the gospel of grace. This is everything that we need to know. This is what brings us. This is the anchor that we have. We have an anchor knowing that God made that oath to you and I. We live from the heart. And if we live from the heart, we give from the heart. We give from the heart. Everything we do is from the heart. Because God gave us a new one. It's not not hard for us to do that. To live from the heart. To give from the heart. It's it's, It's not hard for us to do that. That's part of who we are. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. What an awesome God we have. He makes sure that we would have an anchor. And we have it. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for the oath that you made to us. We thank you, Lord. We're thankful for that anchor that we have, knowing that you cannot lie when you said that you'd never leave us nor forsake us, when you said you'd be with us all the way to the end, when you told us that you started a good work in us and you're going to finish it, when you told us to walk by the Spirit, that you you would send the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to counsel us, and to step by step, let you rule. We're thankful, Father that we can count on it. And we pray that as we think about it and as we meditate on it and as we read through the book of Hebrews, we'll become more and more convinced that everything you said is true. It's not a lie. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Bless and meet the needs that each one of us have here. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.